Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. Hello, hello, Kevin. How, hi, Hannah. How are you going? Good. How are you guys going? Very well. So I'm Saxon. This is Dr. Kev, Dr. Kevin. Um, and uh, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm the founder of Asana. We believe in preventative care. We have three clinics in Sydney, helping thousands of uh, patients and members of ours stay healthy and stay happy, uh, keeping out of hospital. COVID's been a particularly challenging year for all Australians. And we're lucky to have Hannah on our podcast to talk through managing stress, dealing with uh, kids and uh, keeping our emotional health uh, intact through the pandemic. So perhaps the first question uh, to you, Hannah, is um, any advice for parents um, in dealing with the COVID stress, especially for managing young kids? Oh, it's a scary time, right? Um, so children are picking up on all those fears as well. Quick tips, I suppose, is uh, try to be honest with your children. Don't hide things from them. Keep it age appropriate, obviously. So you want to um, allow them to express those fears and emotions to you. So being honest, yes, this is happening, using language that they understand. Keep it really, really simple. You know, COVID's happening. Uh, there's, there's a bad cold going around. Um, and then just with those scary questions, just being honest about what's the actual emotion behind what they're asking about. So we get scared, but they might ask questions like, you know, is nanny going to die? Is, is mummy going to die? Uh, that's the question we're afraid of them asking. But actually, if they ask those questions, we can immediately dive into what the emotion is behind those questions, which is, are you afraid that mummy might die? And then the next emotion is, you love mummy very, very much. And often what we see with children when we acknowledge the emotion that's actually triggering the question is it was never really about, you know, the circumstances. It was about them needing that emotional care. So we just acknowledging and sitting with those emotions, which is you're afraid. And it's because you love your family so much. So providing that reassurance, we're sitting with them and we just let the child then direct the conversation. We don't need to bombard them with lots of information. Just let them sit in those emotions and let them ask the questions that they need to. And often what you'll find is the children probably won't ask too many questions. They might ask one or two and you can, ask, you can answer them fairly simply. But really what they actually want is cuddle and a hug and to be told you reflecting the, those emotions that they can't make sense of, which is you're confused, you're scared and you love your family so much. And then the next thing is, and we love you. We love you so much. 
um, and giving them the last tip is give them that sense of control back, which is that's why we're doing everything that we can to keep ourselves healthy and safe. And that's why we're washing our hands so much and we're wearing masks and everything that you've done is helping keep mummy and nanny safe. So really giving them that sense of empowerment back. Yeah, that's great. How do you keep I you go, Sax. Sorry, Kev, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, how do you keep a sense of normality if you're in a situation uh, where you're in a lockdown? Obviously, everybody's in different um, states and in, in different parts of the country and the world. Um, but if you're in a, a situation where, where you've, you've, you're isolated, um, what's the impact there? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Saxon, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, this is not a normal situation, number one. So, number one, this isn't normal, this is hard and it's scary. And so acknowledging that it's hard and it's scary and that this is un, unknown territory for everybody is, is probably gonna give you just a little bit of leeway. Like give yourself, give yourself that break to say, this is really hard. We don't know what's going on. And emotionally, you're, go you're not gonna feel 100% because it is really, really hard right now. So number one, don't feel guilty if you feel like you're completely overwhelmed and you don't know what's going on because none of us do. So number one, take that dollop of guilt off your back if you feel a little bit more emotional than you have in the past. That's perfectly normal. Um, number two is, you know, it's that age old saying, try to rely on consistency and stability in your life. So humans thrive off consistency and stability so the more we can come back to routine and habit the more we feel safe and secure that we have control over our environments so um, having a schedule getting up at the same time getting dressed in your work clothes going and doing your work from home in a specific space in your house not willy-nilly anywhere definitely not in bed definitely not in your pajamas maintaining those boundaries of different um, appointments in your schedule where you go and you do specific things and you have a bit of a routine will really help to kind of preserve your sanity um, because if you have a schedule it's predictable you know what's coming up next you know when your next respite session is and it just gives you that mental break from having to uh, guess what's happening next in your day and i know it sounds really simple and almost like a platitude but it's not we know for a fact that um, stability, consistency gives us a sense of well-being. So if you can, if you can write up a schedule for yourself and have that on your wall or in your diary, and you follow that schedule each day, it's going to give you a sense of um, calm, stability that you really need during this time. Yeah, I find that uh, uh, one of the benefits for me from being in lockdown was I get to make my own coffee which I do a far better job than, than I can get at work. So I always try and look at the bright side. That's yeah. some good coffee pods. Like, oh, yes, you definitely need that. <laughs> That's great. Um, I've got a question, which is, how do you think Australians are faring through the pandemic? I read somewhere that three quarters of us are uh, experiencing some level of mental health stress. Um, and, uh, and, and just wondered, you know, um, what would be the... Um, overall impact if we don't, you know, reach out for help or if the routines and self-care isn't uh, working according to, to plan. Um, paint a picture for us. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of early studies by like the Black Dog Institute, Monash University, which were done really early days, so sort of like that March 
May period yeah. were indicating we're seeing like double the amount of mental health concerns that we had previously. So double the amount of um, anxiety, depression, uh, irritability is a huge one, double the amount of irritability. Um, those were early studies. They were done at the start of the year. So we're getting more information now in the middle of the year. Uh, and what we're sort of finding is that um, the people who are most affected or have seen that real doubling in their mental health load tend to be people who have experienced job losses, uh, people who live alone, people who are poorly resourced. So they're the people who are, you know, social distancing but don't have all the resources in their home. They don't have the swimming pool out the back or the gym in the in the building. Um, people who are providing care to family members and people who are from those marginalised um, minorities. Uh, so that tended to be women and the young. So if you're, if you're a female, young, socially distancing, financial hardship person, then, you know, you, you probably have experienced um, some anxiety, depression, a double whammy of, of the emotional um, load of COVID. Uh, so I suppose, you know, the way that we can tackle this and the way that we can prevent this from becoming something really, really bad, um, you know, like how long's a piece of string? There's so many ways that we can tackle mental health, but I would say the most important things, the three most important things during COVID is number one, get yourself some support. You need to go and get yourself support. So the government has been amazing with moving us over to telehealth. Everything's on Skype now, everything's on Zoom now. And they've done a really great job with the Australian Psychological Society to allow us to get Medicare rebates to do telehealth over Zoom. So you can talk to a psychologist over your telephone. You can get those sessions booked in um, over your phone fairly easy and, and it's covered under Medicare. So if you don't already have somebody to talk to, you really should go and get someone. It doesn't cost you really anything except for your time. Um, number two, I would say your locus of control, which is a, a really technical term for saying, do you feel a sense of control over what's going on in your environment? And we know that people who have an external locus of control, that's everything around them affects their own sense of happiness. Their, their happiness is controlled by what's going on around them. They tend to have worse mental health outcomes than someone with an internal locus of control, which is that my happiness is dependent on what I'm doing and what I believe and what I'm in control of. So moving your locus of control from external factors to internal factors is really, really important. How do we do something like that? Well, you go back to number one, you really need to talk to your therapist about what is in control of your life, what are the people around you who are affecting your happiness and how to move that locus of control from external to internal. Um, number three is uh, a really quick tip on practicing gratitude, which sounds like a platitude, but it's not. Just, like, go with me for a second, guys. So um, in, in our lives, in Western cultures, we're very, very blessed. So we have, a lot of, we have a lot of things at our fingertips. We have running water, we have a hot shower, we have a warm bed. Um, so we can be 
sometimes take for granted these hedonic types of happiness, which are the basic things in life. The sun is shining, the air is beautiful and clean. We, we don't really take those, we don't really have true gratitude for those because we have them in abundance. Um, so in a Western culture, where you have lots and lots of things at your disposal at any given time, the, the research tells us that we can practice this different type of gratitude, which is eudaimonic happiness, which is happiness about all the choices that we have available to us. We have so many different options and choices available to us. And if we shift our attention on being grateful for the things that we have, I'm grateful for my phone, I'm grateful for this pen, I'm grateful for this book. If we shift our focus for the things that we have and we change it to the options that we have, the choices that we have, the opportunity to pick different things, then we tend to see a lot more of a shift in our mental health. Um, and that's a little tip from Western cultures to be to practice a little bit more deep, deeply ingrained gratitude and happiness is that shift to appreciate the choices you have available to you. That's you know, great. I've heard something. Sorry, Kevin, you go. No, I was just thinking I should... Uh... Try that on my kids. <laughs> I've, uh, I've heard that um, oh, um, mindfulness and meditation is important and, and on a similar sort of uh, vein, I guess, um, uh, in the West, uh, we've, we've become very good at making our external world comfortable, but we don't spend as much time making our internal world comfortable. Yeah, right. Yeah, so our, our, our spiritual side, our hearts, yeah, or even yeah. just finding a quiet space and 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 taking time to reflect. Do you, uh, I, I guess that's what you're trying to say? Absolutely. I think what you're getting onto, Saxon, is neck level mental health. So we've got beginner level mental health, we've got intermediate level mental health, and your advanced level mental health. Oh yeah, let's talk and advanced. We, that sounds good. How do we get there? People who are really like leveling up with their mental health are the people who are. Are getting onto things like their spiritual well-being. So if you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you've ever heard of that, which is your triangle of all the things in life that you need to be alive, and it starts with you need to have shelter and food and a roof over your head, and then next you need to have some sense of um, control over your life. So like a job that you enjoy, a relationship that you enjoy, and then the top level, the most advanced, self-actualized best mental health is a person who is able to be um, in, internally reflective about their own internal state and their own um, sense of meaning and purpose in this world. And that's that real like level up advanced mental health. And what Saxon was talking about is exactly how you get to that level, which is taking time to meditate, taking time to sit with your own emotions, taking time to get spiritual about you know, why you're here, why you believe you're here, um, how you believe you interact with your universe around you and all the different, you know, whatever you want to believe, you know, the energies around you, the frequencies around you, your belief in religion, whatever it might be, that's really you're taking time to sit with those thoughts, process those thoughts and, and understand how they impact your world that's a person who's really getting into the advanced level of mental health. So yeah, if you guys can get onto that, you're really, you're really leveling up your A game in mental health. 
That sounds pretty sounds cool. Like I've got some work to do. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, if I think about perhaps us sex, middle age guys, you know, talking about emotions is not always the, the easiest thing. And, um, you know, when we're starting to talk about self-actualization and becoming like Gandhi, you know, it's not immediately obvious how we go about doing that. Any tips on how to get started for uh, if we're at a lower level? Oh yeah, so uh, great question. So number one, nobody expects you to be Gandhi straight away. Take that off the table. Um, if you can practice like even just maybe start with like five minutes a day, don't jump into 30 minute, one hour meditation sessions because you're setting yourself up for, for a problem there. So just start with like a three minute or a five minute meditation. There are so many guided meditations online. You can use Insight Timer, which is an app. You can type in guided meditation into YouTube and you can type in three minutes, five minutes, just to get yourself started. And that's somebody talking you through a meditation so that you're not required to just sit there in stillness and in quietness and trying to not think about anything because that's actually really hard. So having somebody guide you through it for a short amount of time is a great place to start. And once you can get your habit going of maybe three minutes a day, five minutes a day, you can start to sort of move that into an area where you feel like you want to target a bit more. It's a bit like going to the gym, right? Like if you go to the gym, you don't start lifting a hundred kilo squats straight off the bat. You start with a, an easier in, uh, beginner level first, and then you slowly move up to a more specific area to target the muscles that you're interested in. So start with your beginner level meditation. Just type in three minute meditation, five minute meditation, do it for five minutes. And then as you start to get better, as your muscle grows, your self-discipline, your mental discipline muscle grows, and you get better and better at sitting for those five minutes, relaxed and at peace and, and in the moment, as you get better at that, then you can start specializing that to target the areas that you're interested in. So Kevin, if you're interested in, I get this real sense of fear about you know, my career or where I'm going and what's gonna happen in the future, then you can start targeting your meditation to deal with my fears. Or Saxon, if you, if you are, say, struggling with like love in your life and feeling love and your heart feeling love. Yeah, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're feeling, if you're struggling with things like that, then you can target your meditation. Believe it or not, you can target your meditation to deal with those topics. So you can actually type into Google or type into Insight Timer, what area of life are you struggling with? Is it fear? Is it love? Is it receiving love or giving love? Is it self-confidence? Is it happiness? Is it gratitude? What is it unique to you? What mental muscle do you want to work on in your life? Start at the beginner, start at the beginner level, and then move up to the intermediate and the advanced level and put those topics plus the word guided meditation into your search. It's seriously that easy. And then sit there for the 10 minutes and do the exercise every day, every day. You have to do the exercise, just like you need to go to the gym most days of the week. You know, it's a muscle and we exercise it by doing the exercise every day day and for those of us with a real attention span problem um if you have trouble sitting there and it's and it's just not working 
Uh, what about something as simple as maybe taking a walk? Yeah, definitely. So they call that um, green mental health or eco mental health. So E mental health, which is getting in touch with the um, the environment, and and it's very it's a very grounding experience to go out into the environment. If you've ever had a walk and stood in front of a beautiful body of water or trees or anything in nature, we all know you feel way better when you when you do things like that. And scientifically, we've seen that people have lower heart rates, um, their breathing slows, their muscles tend to relax just by doing exercise in the environment. So if we put you on a treadmill, for example, Saxon, if I put you on a tre treadmill for 20 minutes, or I made you go for a jog out in a park for 20 minutes, then statistically, if we measured you after those two pieces of exercise, you would actually show better clinical markers of mental health. So lower stress hormones, more relaxed muscles, lower heart rate if you exercise outside than if you exercised inside. So if you can get it outside, do it outside. <laughs> That's great because I don't like treadmill, treadmills very much. It just seems too brutal to me. Yeah. And it's good to be outdoors at the moment with all the infection risks uh, that we have. Um, a bit of a segue. So at Asana, we're all about preventative care, more, I guess, uh, care now so that we reduce the, the need for healthcare later in, in life. And prevention is always better than cure in our, in our view. Um, so a question is... What if we don't seek help? What if we don't look after ourselves now when there's so much happening around us and stress and triggers? Um, paint a picture, Hannah, of uh, what we should look out for if we don't get help. Yeah, right. Um, I'm sure you guys have all heard the term burnout. You guys heard that term, burnout? Yeah, been there. Yeah, okay. So... Um, burnout is the is the physiological reaction that your body has when it's been under siege for an extended period of time and you can't handle it anymore. So people often experience burnout in relation to work, for example. So if you've been given um, deadlines that are unrealistic or a huge amount of work that is unrealistic for you to do in the time frame, or if you're experiencing bullying in the workplace is just downright unpleasant, then we find that people experience this this physiological phenomenon called burnout, where their body actually re reacts to um, the stress in their environment. And as soon as they wake up in the morning, they get this shot of cortisone, which is a stress hormone. As soon as they wake up in the morning, um, and that tends to run through the course of the day compared to their non-burnt out friends who don't get that shot of stress hormone in the morning. Um, they also get this thing called vital exhaustion, which is as awful as it sounds, where all these clinical markers in your immune system, in your, in your digestive system, all start to um, get red flags and they start to have trouble with uh, having colds all the time, being sick all the time, not being able to digest food all the time, getting tummy aches, getting the runs. Um, we get issues with like their, their physical body reacting to stress in their environment. So you're a little bit like a toothpaste tube, um, Kevin. Uh, when we have a toothpaste tube and we squeeze it really, really hard, what normally happens to the toothpaste? It usually comes out the top, right? It usually comes out of the top. So that would be your mouth, those emotions coming out of your mouth. But if we don't do that with our emotions, if we 
bottle them up and we don't allow them to come out and we're still squeezing that toothpaste tube with all the stress of COVID, that has to come out somewhere. So it'll come out the sides, it'll come out the bottom, it'll come out in other ways. And it's gonna come out in your body. So you're gonna to start to experience back pain, headaches, tummy problems, digestive issues, other illnesses because your immune system is just lagging with all that stress. So you start to get sick in other ways. So there are so many other physiological ramifications to not letting our toothpaste come out the mouth. So not letting our emotions come out our mouth. The body speaks the mind. So if you don't speak it yourself, your body is going to speak it. So um, it's so very important for us to express. As humans, we are verbal people. Everything we do is based in the verbal. Very few things in life are exclusively non-verbal for us. Everything is verbal. We talk everything through. So if you're not talking out your emotions, if you're not speaking those emotions to somebody that you trust, those emotions are going to express themselves in other ways. So this is what I call being the active person in your mental health driver's seat. So in your mental health car, are you in the driver's seat? Are you driving that car where it needs to go? Are you taking yourself where you need to go? Or are you sitting in the back seat, the passenger seat, being driven somewhere and you don't know where you're going? By, by taking control and by talking to people about our emotions, we're being in the driver's seat of our mental health, not in the back seat being taken wherever. Sometimes you can be in the back seat, sometimes you need to be, but most of our life we want to be in the driver's seat. We want to be in control of what's happening with our mental health. Yeah. So talking about your emotions, that's the driver's seat. I love these analogies. I, I'm going to remember <laughs> triangles, toothpaste, um, trees, and driving a car. So this is, this is awesome. Um, yeah, I'm and, going for a walk as soon as this is over. <laughs> um, Dr. Hannah uh, Coral, thank you so much for coming on the show. We, um, uh, we're going to be promoting uh, lots of your services. You might do some meditation and mindfulness classes uh, with us. Uh, so look out for those. We, we run uh, relaxation classes already uh, at Asana uh, at the moment online. Uh, but over time, we'll uh, open up to groups in the clinics again. Um, Sachs, any, any other, uh, questions for Hannah today? Uh, no, look, I, I guess the only thing for anyone listening would be, you know, um, how can people get help? Um, uh, maybe there's something we can put up at the end on, on the website. Yeah, we'll put up some resources. We'll get Hannah's help to, uh, direct to good resources, um, uh, self-access as well as, um, clinical services that, uh, might be local and, um, to end with, Hannah, you're writing a book that's coming out next month. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. so thank you. I'm writing a book called How to Break Up with Friends. Um, and it's all about toxic relationships in our lives and how to really make the most out of beautiful, good friendships, how to find them, how to maintain them, how to be a good friend yourself, and also how to get rid of those toxic relationships in our lives with those people who make us feel like we're walking on eggshells all the time. Um, I know I've had some pretty doozy friends in my life. It's not uncommon. So yeah, check it out if you're interested. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Awesome. So we'll um, put up your website. We'll put up uh, your services through our website as well. And uh, look forward to having you back on the podcast. Thanks so much.
so much. Thanks for having me. Thank Thanks, you. Hannah. Thanks.